0: Everybody, as the year is closing out for 2019, I thought I would do my top 10 games of the year. Now, in years past, I've not always done a strict top 10, usually, it's like broken up into categories and all that kind of stuff. This year, it kind of works out, it's about 10 games. (laughs) So, I'm just gonna do a straight top 10 bottom to top now i'm going to throw a little bit of a wrinkle here if you don't want to hear me sort of uh, whine for a minute (laughs) you can look for the timestamp below to when the top 10 starts not really whining but so here's the deal i have here in front of me some games that i have just received or just played once or played and don't actually have at my house yet that are really good games and they're all s and releases just about and they are not for sale for like the general public until like january of next year or i've seen some of them speculate even into like may of next year and so like i have a real like sort of problem personally with calling them 2019 games, even though on BoardGameGeek they call them 2019 games. I wanna give you a couple examples. So here I have played Barrage. I played it a week or so ago. It's an awesome game. It would probably be in my running for one of the top 10 games of the year. I'm just gonna put it up here on my shelf, see? (laughs) Another game that I've played, just got this the other day, Kalis 1303. If you know anything about me, you know I like Kalis. Only played it one time. Just got it. Okay, great. Another game that I didn't expect to like or expect to be anticipating is Exhibition to Newdale from Alexander Pfister. I haven't even played this one yet. I guess it hurts good. He's got another game coming out that's probably not even actually going to be released in the United States, Maracaibo, until next month. Now I know some other reviewers and whatnot have played it. I haven't had a chance to get my copy yet. What am I gonna do? So, (laughs) there you go. Uh, So if you go, where is this game on your list? Well, I tell you what, it probably would be on my list, but it doesn't really exist yet. So that's sort of an issue. So I sound like I'm kind of crying, but so I'm not crying about not having the game and not being able to play it, Eh, whatever. Who gives it it rats? But (laughs) here's the thing is the way that the board game year sort of works itself out, and I was actually discussing this with a lot of people on my Facebook page for drive-thru games, is that you get all these games at Essen and some of them don't hit the United States, which is where I live, until like Origins the next year. So what I'm gonna try to do this year is sort, and I'm gonna break a rule in my own top 10, but that's what rules are for, right? We all play games. The reason you play games is to break rules, right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to start the board game year for myself at Essen of the previous year. So for 2020, the start of the 2020 board game year is really Essen 2019, especially if you live in the United States. And so, and then the end of the year is the end of the, the year, end of 2020. I know, does that make a lot of sense? Uh, so... The, or it would be the beginning of Essen whatever so that's what I'm going to do <laughs> for this thing so this is a, this sort of a deal because this is the thing like my top 10 lists lots of good games but then when you like cram in some of the SN games it gets like really good and then in addition to that these are games that I did not put on my list like I said there's a timestamp. stamp <laughs> if you get sick of this bus bus is fantastic I love it it's 20 years old so could I put it on the best game of 2019? I could. I probably could. It would inch up there and get on this list of, of the ten games I'm going to talk about. It's a 20, old, 20 year old game, really. It's not changed. It looks much prettier and better now that Capstone uh, got a hold of it. So there you go. So that could be on there. But you can, for uh, from like a real perspective, it is a 2019 game because you can go buy it now. You couldn't buy it before, and it's an excellent game. I would recommend. I did a review cool another game is claustrophobia 1643 now this is a little bit more of an update hold on just had to put that down there but it's basically an older game i think it's about 10 years old or so so i kind of debated i'm like yeah it's changed a little bit it's not really a 2019 game i want to talk about some more stuff that hasn't really been in the consciousness you know of board gamers or whatnot for 10 years okay the next one Also a 20 year old game, Catan Starfares. There's a little bit of changes. In Bust, there's no changes. In Claustrophobia 1643, there's some significant changes. This one, I would say there is significant-ish changes. It's, It's an improved, more variable gameplay from the original Starfares of Catan. This one, my family and I have been having a blast with this the last couple of months. It's a fantastic game, but you know what? It's a 20 year old game. So all that preamble kind of aside, I just wanted to kind of let y'all know that. There's some new Essen games that aren't gonna be on here because I've just played them one time. <laughs> or I haven't played them, or I don't even have them. And I played them, but I didn't have them. The one that I'm thinking about there is I played Flotilla at uh, Board Game Geek Con this year. Amazing, I loved it. It was fantastic. But I don't, I don't know where you can get it. I, I, if you, you might be able to get in the store now. I haven't checked, honestly, in a couple of weeks. But you know it was coming out end of December, probably early January. It's a great game. I definitely recommend taking a look at it. Oh, there was one other game. I just got this the other day too. It's sitting right in front of me. Tainted Grail. Apparently this is the bee's knees. I have no idea. I haven't played it. I just got it. And it's like a huge long campaign. So you not you say, oh, why don't you do your best of your list in March? Nobody cares in March. They care in December and January. I don't care in March. (laughs) So anyway, I'm gonna try that next year. So I'm gonna include a whole bunch of 2019 games on my list next year. It's gonna drive Richard Ham nuts, but that's okay. I kind of live for that a little bit. (laughs) So anyway, so that's kind of my little preamble there. As the video description or title tells you, we are gonna be doing a giveaway. The uh, publisher of my number one game uh, has agreed to send a copy of the number one game to a winner. So please comment uh, down below, uh, just to be entered in the contest. All I gotta do is leave a comment on the YouTube, uh, video, and then you'll be entered in the contest and win the game. And not to spoil, but there's not really a lot of copies of it right now. So they are going to reprint it, but not right this second. Uh, the other thing is if you are listening on to, uh, listen to this on a podcast, it's going up simultaneously on my drive Through games podcast and video. i just do, doing it simultaneously. So this is my month's, uh, podcast or excuse me, my podcast for the month. So let's jump into it without any more preamble and nonsense. So my number 10 game of 2019 is Watergate. This is a two-player game from Capstone Games. It's about Richard Nixon and his administration versus the... um, Kind of like the Washington Post and the press. And it's super timely <laughs> at the day of release of this video. I didn't even plan this. Oh, my gosh. Because they're voting to impeach or not impeach Donald Trump right now. Please don't comment on that. I may just delete your comment. He <laughs> you won't be entered in the contest if I delete your comment and it's snarky. So keep that in mind. Anyway, forget about that. This is a really fun game. Uh, this, I did a review of it. If you want to see more detail about it. It's really cool. So it doesn't really get super like political about it if you feel sore about this at all, but it has some good actual history in the background and stuff that's really cool. Uh, And I learned a little bit from reading sort of the historical blurbs. So you play as Nixon or you play as the uh, kind of the press sort of surrounding him with evidence. And the way that that sort of is translated is really, really cool. So it has some like Twilight Struggle, uh, 13 days uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, Style of card play if you've played either of those games. And that's really cool. You got like action points and the cards do a whole bunch of things. So you got to figure out how to activate the cards. But the sort of the the hook of the game for me is the way you sort of weave this web of evidence back to sort of the central conspirator. In this case, happens to be the president. I'd like to see this kind of mechanic in any other kind of game. It's a real interesting kind of sort of route building type of thing. But it really elicits that whole vibe of trying to investigate and uncover, you know, a crime and then, you know, surround that person. And then as the, if you play as the president in this case, it's really kind of a thrilling thing because uh, there's a certain like idea of paranoia that it uh, instills in you as you're trying to sort of uh, block out things and get people kind of to flip to your side and not talk to the press and whatnot. And that really, all that theme stuff really comes through. So I definitely recommend folks, uh, play Watergate. I played it several times with a lot of different people over the last several months and everybody that I played it with has really enjoyed it. and really got a good kick out of it. And there's enough there that there's definitely replay blade. I, I don't know. Just, I lost count of times I played it, maybe a dozen or so. Um, and you know it's one of those where you can kind of take turns playing each side and go back and forth and kind of maybe put it on the shelf i have let my game group borrow and stuff to play with spouses and things like that and they've all they've all really enjoyed it as well so this is definitely one that has some replayability but value that you've got some stuff that you can dig into with the cards and all that stuff and i definitely recommend it it's a very interesting topic you know throw the politics of it out the whole like i said building of evidence or trying to hide the evidence if you will is really an interesting game mechanic. So that's number 10, Watergate. <laughs> we're gonna move on to number nine, and then we're gonna talk about Empires of the North. Uh, this is an Imperial Settlers game. Now this is like a sequel to Imperial Settlers. If you're not familiar with it, it's not an expansion. It's its own standalone game. I believe there's two expansions out or coming out for it. There's a Japan expansion, which I think is out, and then there's another one. I forget what that one is. This is really cool. So this so this thing. Okay. So the designer publisher, Ignacy Trevichek, drives me a little crazy with this. Because he comes out with 51st State like 10 years ago. Has a new version of 51st State, which is like a, sort of a post-apocalyptic fallout version of this game. Let's call it just for a minute. And then he comes out with... I think another edition of 51st State, and then he comes out with Imperial Settlers, and then it comes out with another edition of 51st State, back and forth, and now he's got this one. So he keeps kind of like refining this gameplay, which if you've not played any of those games that I've talked about, it's like a Race for the Galaxy if you've played that, or a San Juan, or any of those other kind of games, sort of but this one ends up being kind of like a real fun and light civilization game with like these exploration aspects. Uh, it has a little bit of take that, but not a lot. And it's just really enjoyable. I think this has six or seven factions in this box that are various, um, not necessarily like difficulty levels. Well, yeah, difficulty levels to play. Uh, Some are simpler to play, some are more complex. So there's a way you can kind of handicap if you're playing with new players. i played this someone actually with my family as well as my game group. And, uh, you know, I'll give kind of the easy one if it's your first play, you play the easy ones, but you're still going to compete in the game uh, with some of the other factions and stuff like that. And you can kind of tailor, I talk a little bit about in the review, it's not really a rule book thing, but you can tailor your uh, gameplay experience to be a little bit nicer or meaner, depending on your what your game group's taste is. But to me, this is the pinnacle of that style of game. And I really have enjoyed over the years, you know, the original Imperial Settlers and the original 51st State even, and, you know, uh, the Master Set or whatever came back. I, I like that too. I really uh, am digging this one. This is... Just don't advance another version of it. <laughs> Will you please like, just support this one? And then that's it. I know, you can do whatever you want. But, but yeah, so this is fantastic. There's a lot of replay value here. Uh, each of the factions I feel like I can play multiple times. I don't think I've played every faction yet. I might have. I don't know. I've seen every faction played for sure, uh, but there's you know there's some re-investigation that you can do. Try each faction out and all that kind of stuff. It's really fun. There's a lot of cool, interesting card play, and it is. It gives you that little kind of civilization light feel, and I always like that idea. I like civilization games, but this is a light kind of. Well, it's not a light card game, but compared to like a big heavy civilization game, this is light. I would call this like a medium euro card game, if you want to call it something like that. But uh, so yeah, it's kind of a medium, easy going hour hour and a half civilization game with really cool artwork and stuff and sort of uh, different asymmetric factions and all that stuff. So anyway, that's number nine, uh, Empires of the North. High recommend there. Uh, number eight. This is a, this is probably yeah 100 percent my biggest surprise of the year and this is nine tiles panic this is from oink games uh they just just came out this year this is a real time tile laying game so think of it as like a galaxy trucker in five minutes or ten minutes I did a review of it. I don't want to talk too mechanically about it, but it's real-time. You flip tiles. Everybody's got the same set of tiles, and you're building routes with aliens and CIA agents and hamburgers and uh, citizens and houses and roads and all this stuff. And then you are... The the trick of it, what seals it for me, is you're building that set of a 3 by 3 set of tiles against some criteria. And then the first person to finish who thinks they have satisfied that criteria the best will grab a uh, hourglass and flip it over and then start a timer. Everybody else has a minute left based on, you know, how long your timer is, you know, to finish it. So what there is here is there's certainly a strategy to finish quick and put pressure on people, especially if you play in a large player count game, because you still get points for tying. And if you tie, if you finished earlier, you get the benefit of the doubt and you get more points. So there is a strategy to just do it quick and fast and legal, you know, as far as the placing of your tiles and not worry about trying to get like the best, most optimal position of every tiles. But then there's like a balancing act to that because you still do have like a minute and it's not like really complex. So a minute is a good amount of time. So you can say, oh, Billy over there, they went quick like a dummy. And I'm gonna take that extra 30 seconds or so to kind of arrange and just get that many more points. So there's kind of the whole gamut of that, being really slow and methodical, kind of in between uh, being really fast and loose and sort of obnoxious with about how how fast you can finish your tiles. And so that sort of tension there is really cool. And the fact that if you play this more and more times, and this I played probably two dozen times uh, at least, uh, the fact that you can kind of, you can kind of learn the tile. So when you see some criteria and there's a good amount of criteria, but there's enough that you can kind of know about it and get better at the game. So there's a skill kind of improvement thing that can happen with this, which is also neat. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you can say, well, the skilled player would beat the new player, but not necessarily just because of the, the wackiness and the craziness and the time aspect, that's not really going to work out. And I don't know anybody that's really going to spend a lot of time becoming like a nine tiles panic, like expert or anything. And sort of the one takeaway, with the last thing I want to talk about with this is I play this with a lot of different people. And I put it in front of some people and they said, oh gosh, what is this? This is real time. I can't. I can't deal with this. And then the next day they're like, well, I ordered it <laughs> online. You know, I'm like, yeah, see, it's, it's fantastic. So anyway, definitely take a look at Nine Tiles Panic. I think... It's pretty available, I'm not super sure. You might have to order it from One Games directly or something. Hopefully Board Game Geek will bring it over because it's great. And I know they brought other games of this over. So I don't feel too bad about mentioning it But it's not in print right this second, but file it away on your wish list or keep it in the back of your head. That's Nine Tiles Panic. So that was number eight. Should have made that number nine, but oh well. Uh, number seven now is the complete opposite style game from Nine Tiles Panic, and this is Cloudspire, which is a big, hunky, super heavy box from Chip Theory Games. I believe this is their third or fourth game. This is for sure my absolute favorite game of them. This is a sort of a tower defense game, which I have not really enjoyed uh, like board game versions of that concept until now and I have had a chance to play this game in a variety of different formats so you can play this head-to-head one versus one you can play it solo you can play it cooperative which is basically solo you kind of play against a scenario and there's like a narrative story campaign you can go through I've also had a chance to play it uh, three player like a free-for-all which I, I think at the time of the review I had not actually played that yet and I was a little bit you know leery about that. actually, I'm not leery about that anymore because it was a lot of fun Now, there was a lot of problems that you could say that are just indicative of a three player kind of head to head everybody's kind of you know fighting for themselves, scraping by kind of thing where you, you know two players could jump on one or two players could fight each other, and the one who's out kind of coasts the victory uh kind of thing. So it still has that stuff for sure. But because of like it's sort of like a programmable kind of game where everybody sets up these stacks of chips that sort of march on these paths uh, sort of autonomously. Uh, and then you, so those are your minions that will march autonomously. And then you have your heroes, which you can sort of navigate on this big hex board and stuff like that. Uh, so because of that programmable aspect, like unexpected stuff is going to happen, especially with the three player thing. Cause you know, so-and-so is going to get killed first and then your thing's going to happen. So it just causes these really fun and interesting moments. So I, I don't know that I want to play three player all the time, but I did have a lot of fun with that. And I would certainly play it again, three player. The head to head is really cool. There's a good crunchy, you know, uh, I don't want to call it chess-like, but there's some good, interesting sort of tactics there, figuring out your opponent's faction and how your faction is going to react to that. That's There's a lot of meaty gameplay in there with the four or five factions, if you have the expansion. Now, sort of what kind of seals the deal, the game's already fun at this point, but is the the solo and co-op campaigns. The game sets up these really cool puzzles for you to sort of solve. And like I said, it's kind of a programming game where you set up these stacks of chips and they kind of march across and they fight and die and all that. And you try to get across to the other base and destroy it. Well, when you play like a solo scenario, it sets up stuff that would be illegal, basically, in a normal head-to-head game or a team game or something. But you got to figure out how to sort of react to it because it's not like a very smart player. It just builds up the stack of odds. And you might say, well, that's dumb. Like you give it more hit points and stuff. Well, no, it actually works out really cool because it's very puzzly. You're like, okay, well... If I sacrifice these guys here or send these guys down this route or if I, you know, use this ability to sort of, you know, give me that combo thing to build up and like, you know, take out their extra defenses that are here or whatever. So there's a lot of stuff you can sort of juggle and play around with and it kind of like, it's a good way to kind of teach you the tactics of the different uh, factions that are in because you actually play through uh, each of the factions that come in the game and, and there's a kind of a narrative story. So it's a lot like a video game in a way where you're playing like, I don't know, I can think of uh, the game that comes to the head right now is Age of Wonders, which is sort of like a fantasy, excuse me, a fantasy civilization game where you play through one story and then you kind of know a little bit about the game. You're pretty advanced. And then the narrative will switch phases to the other story like in starcraft or something you know you're playing the terrans and then you switch to the brood and then at the end of the third act you're playing the protoss by that time you sort of acquired a lot of skills and you kind of understand the complexities of the game and then you're using a lot of the same concepts as before but you're playing a different narrative mission and you're learning more concepts as it goes along so the kind of fits into that same sort of vein as a video game and it's a really fun interesting thing and of course you can play your pvp and stuff and it's fantastic art and components and there's a lot it's really complex in a lot of ways but these core sort of thread of the game is very very simple and and it's sort of a repetitive thing that you're just then they just bolt on like all of these rules too which is really neat so that's number seven that's Cloudspire, and then number six here is new frontiers which i think might be a 2018 game but you know what, tough, because this came out, I think, like at the very, very end of December in 2018, and I'm sure I didn't actually play mine until Mar- or until, uh, January. So what this is, this is Race for the Galaxy, the board game, if you've played Race for the Galaxy, or Roll for the Galaxy, the board game, and it's basically Puerto Rico in space. So Puerto Rico was came out, whatever, 10 years ago. I don't really like it, and Then they came out with San Juan, which is the card game version of it. I really like that game. Then they did a space game, Race for the Galaxy, which was developed at the same time, which is a big smash hit. It's a really cool game. Then they did Roll for the Galaxy and they did this. So this, to me, is my favorite incarnation of... um, all of that, except probably San Juan, I still really, really like. Um, so this is just Race for the Galaxy board game. I don't know what to tell you. Like, the thing that, that seals it in for me and makes it really fun is it works really, really good as a two-player game. Which I don't think Puerto Rico ever supported two players. Puerto Rico is a three- to five-player game. It works fantastic in this. Uh, it has a very similar feel to Puerto Rico if you played Puerto Rico with the expansions and then probably a couple more expansions that don't exactly exist for Puerto Rico because there's a lot of variability in the different uh, settlements and developments and all that stuff that you can build in this game. And it's just the the whole like role selection aspect that's in San Juan and Puerto Rico and Race for the Galaxy, that whole timing thing, is something that I've always really, really liked. I just don't always like as much the game behind it. Like, don't get me wrong. I like Race for the Galaxy. I really like Roll for the Galaxy. But it's just like, they just kind of, you know, kind of miss me a little bit. San Juan, it's fantastic. I would recommend everybody go out and buy a copy of San Juan in a heartbeat. This one as well. I think this is, this is probably a tougher sell to somebody that is like a huge Race for the Galaxy fan because they'd be like, why don't I just play this little cute compact card game? But to me, this this fixes a little bit of Race for the Galaxy because you can kind of see what's going on and you sort of seed the board with these different developments so you can pick your target. So just think of it like Dominion. When you set up your, your decks of cards that you're gonna buy, that's gonna sort of inform your strategy. And so I like that aspect of this game. And the tactics and the timing of all the different roles that you can select seem to work out a little bit better here. So uh, yeah, this, is, it's, this one's so very mechanical. It's kind of hard to say you know get into get kind of nutty about the theme or whatever but to me this kind of pushes all of those kind of euro mechanical buttons that i really like uh in a lot of the games and so i definitely recommend folks um you know if you've not played any of these kind of race for the galaxy games san juan games you know this is a good one it's out now it's you know kind of a new thing take a look at this one and then if you're into those other games, you maybe try before you buy. No, I know I shouldn't say that on like a top 10 list, but you know, I got to be fair to certain people's like, you know, tastes and proclivities and you know, what kind of food they like or whatever. And so I recommend folks at least try this because I think you're going to get a good kick out of it. You may not prefer it over Race for the Galaxy. I do a thousand percent and I million percent prefer it over Puerto Rico. So it's kind of like. Fixed Puerto Rico for me, which is a game I've always wanted to like, and everybody I seem to play it with liked it a lot more than me. And there was just a couple things I don't want to talk about it, but they, it really bothers me about that game mechanically, and uh, you know some other stuff too. But yeah, so this to me is kind of like what I wanted out of Puerto Rico. And I definitely recommend folks that, especially if you like Puerto Rico, not really a race for the Galaxy person, I would recommend this because the barrier to entry is a little bit lower on this one because it's not so iconographically driven. Yeah, that's the right word. So anyway, that is number six, New Frontiers. Definitely recommend it if you're sort of an old school, old school Euro type person. So number five, another, another big, huge surprise, probably not as big a surprise, as nine piles panic because I had a little bit of an inclination kind of going into this one that I probably like it based on the buzz and this is Jaws from Ravensburger designed by Prospero Hall Uh, they did a few other games this year that are really good as well Uh, but this is this is this is so good this is such a good this is such an importantly good awesome game because okay so it's about an IP and it's about like a real pop culture IP and it's a good game Great, fine. It also is two different games. It has Act One, which is Amity Island, and then Act Two. If you're familiar with the movie, is on the boat, the Orca at the back, and they're two completely different games. Now, one game informs the other. So, depending on if you're the shark in this game, or if you're you know one of the other characters, Brody and Hooper and all the Ghost Guys, uh, depending on which team you're on you're gonna get a little bit of a bonus in act two if you do better in act one. So they do inform each other, but it's such like a cinematic game. And I talked in detail about this in the review portion of the, the review video of this. But it, to me, this is such like, I don't know, Like I don't wanna feel like I'm being hyperbolic or blowing the game up more than it should because it's just a dang board game. But like, it's an achievement, like a design achievement to me in this game, because these folks, they took Jaws and they said, we're gonna make a board game. And they did, like they didn't like fool around. They didn't like cash in this IP. They didn't, you know, sort of ham fist it and plug stuff in. I feel like this went through lots of iterations of development, like you can kind of feel it. You can smell it off of the board in this. and to me, that's just... It's just a wonderful thing. Like, as somebody that is, like, a game enthusiast, you know, like like myself and, and probably some of the folks that are watching the video, like, you gotta at least play this just to get an appreciation of, like, you know what? They kind of, like, nailed Jaws. They just did. Um, and that's all I gotta really say about it. It's, like, I've watched Jaws, I don't know how many times. It's, you know, it's, it's like a classic of cinema. And this just... works amazing like it just pulls you right back into this other place and so you're not even like playing a game at that point you're like reliving you know some of this celluloid nonsense that comes off the the light that comes off of that screen is happening when you're playing this now one time we played it this little anecdote uh, and my friend set up the soundtrack to Jaws that's by far the best way to play this game. and I've played it without the soundtrack, and it's still really good. But to me, you gotta like you gotta turn on that soundtrack and then play along with this, and then it's like it's fantastic. Like it's just so fun. It's just the funnest thing. So anyway, that's number five, Jaws. Now number four is gonna be tricky to show you because I have all of it in this box. It's my little card box there. But I do have, I just got these from the folks And I'll show you this one. From Team Covenant there. They do like a subscription service. So this is Marvel Champions, obviously. That's my number four. Uh, they do a subscription service where you can get like the LCG expansions. They just send them to you and bill you. So you don't have to worry about like forgetting. Uh, so I, so you can tell I like it because I signed up for that service. So obviously, it uh, you know, I really enjoy it. So I want to say that... So this basically shot in the head another card game that I had in my top 50 games of all time that I did earlier in the year. Although I think that game is dead anyway, (laughs) so I don't want to speak its name (laughs) because maybe it's not dead. But to me, this is great. This is my favorite of that style of game that's the Lord of the Rings card game, the Arkham Horror uh, LCG, the, uh, what was the other one they did? The Warhammer Quest adventure card game sort of in that ballpark where you have, these, you know, characters that you send against villains and scenarios, and they're trying these different schemes, and you're trying out different heroes, everybody knows, I think, I think this game's gonna be on, like, the top of a lot of people's lists, and it's really, I mean, right, we're at number four, right, so it's, it's right up there, it might as well be number one, like, who cares, really, after, like, number, hmm, seven, you know seven six seven, they're all number one anyway it doesn't pff, number one, who cares <laughs> but uh, Marvel Champions is really it's my favorite superhero game that I've ever played. Uh, yeah, by far. it's because the couple of tr- uh, hooks I, if you want to go in super detail like look at the review, but you have the whole thing where you flip from the secret identity uh, back to the, the superhero mode and you know back and forth. I've never seen a game that actually used that. And they use it to great effect here. And I think that's just such a fantastic little mechanic that just works. And it makes sense. And you're teaming up with other heroes. And so each of you are bringing like your own little baggage. So you think of it like a crossover comic when, uh, you know, She-Hulk and Iron Man meet. They have their own like normal villains that they fight. And then they're fighting some, you know, big... Big bad, you know, that's sort of like the Thanos or whatever the level that they're at. And so, they, but they can bring along their own baggage that so they might have to deal with. And so, you're kind of in their little crossover issue and stuff. So, that's a very, very comic book thing, right? It's, it's almost like a comic book mechanic to bring that baggage to have the, uh, the alter ego and all that kind of stuff. And the last thing I want to leave you with, because this is number four, so I'll talk a little bit more detail, is the way that you build your decks in this really expresses itself to me in such a way that I go, okay, this feels like a team-up, a comic book team-up. So even when you're playing solo, you might have to build your deck a little bit differently. If you're playing Black Panther, for example, you might want to sort of flesh him out with some more folks to play a little bit of defense for you to absorb some of that damage. Because he's a great offensive character and he's got some cool combos, like he's a really fun character to play. But you got to play them a little bit different. Whereas if you're playing with more people at the table, you can kind of specialize a little bit. So playing two, three, four players, everybody kind of, you can be a little bit more special about that. Whereas if you play with less players, you're going to kind of have a, uh, more of jack-of-all-trades built into the deck. And that's an interesting thing because, again, you are approaching the game differently based on the player count, which is an interesting kind of thing. And the last kind of, yeah, that's it. That's all I want to talk about. If you want more, go to the review. But anyway, it's really fantastic. I really, this is the one I'm like still excited to play, you know, always excited to play this and kind of investigate villain versus hero and all that stuff. So there's a lot going on there. So that's the number four, Marvel Champions. Now, number three here is this one's got me fired up too this is babylonia from reiner knitzia this is coming out from ludonova which is a relatively new company i believe i just reviewed this i think a couple weeks ago this is the one that's breaking the rule because this is a 2019 essen release but i played this a lot probably 10 maybe almost 10 times around 10 times so i was like i don't want to like because i know like my plays of this will like dip you know, as the year goes along. I'll still play it definitely next year, but it's also like, whatever. So it's on my list for this year. It's breaking my rule of saving Essen games for my best of next year. We'll see if I even stick to that. Cause I mean, honestly, they're just a top 10 list. It doesn't really matter that much. <laughs> but So this is an awesome game. This is a new Canizia tile placement game. That's like a smash up of Tigris and Samurai and Through the Desert. And another game which I haven't played called Blue Lagoon is apparently a little bit like this too. Uh, I highly recommend this game. This plays great at the two, three, and four player count. It's got cool special abilities. It's a very different kind of Reiner Knitsy game, but you can also feel a lot of the you know the threads and the history of all that design over the last several years. Uh, it's still in this one and it still has that Reiner feel to it. So, again, it's a very mechanical game, so it's hard to, you know, I just want to recite the rules to you again. If you want more, you know, information, go to the review video for it. But this is really something that's going to stick in my collection. I think last year at Yellow and Yangtze, uh, Tigers and Euphrates ended up booting that one out still because they were like a little bit too close. Uh, whereas this one, you know, it's, it's different enough and it has that through the desert feel, but I don't really like through the desert. I'm more of a samurai and Tigers and Euphrates person. But this is like that other little itch that I kind of won out of Through the Desert, but I don't like that game, but I really like this game. So this is probably going to stick in my collection uh, for a long time. And frankly, it's got me fired up to uh, play a couple more Reiner Knitzia games. So he's got the um, the Blue Lagoon, which I'm going to get get and play. And then the other one is the Quest for Eldorado, which is like him doing a deck building game. So I've heard a lot of good things about both those games. I'm really excited to play it, and I'm really kind of excited that Reiner Knizia is coming out with you know, some new designs, uh, which that are uh, apparently really good. This one for sure is really good. And I highly recommend it. If you're a Reiner fan, I hope they bring this over to the United States. Uh, I know they're kind of in the process of trying to figure that out. So I re- highly recommend folks uh, pick this up. And so if they do bring it over, definitely be on the lookout for it. And it just plays so fast as well. Uh, it's just a really fun, uh, quick, amazing game. So Babylonia, definitely take a look at that one. So now we're moving into the top two. And so this will give you a chance to say, Joel, where where have all the miniature games been? Well, here is one. <laughs> Here's Warcry. This is the new skirmish level, small model count uh, scenario, uh, skirmish game in the Warhammer Age of Sigmar universe. And this is a fantastic game. It's amazing. It is... Okay, so I know I have said, I mentioned it earlier here, that Claustrophobia is kind of like the miniature game for, for Euro gamers, right? Because um, so it, it has like some real kind of cool Euro elements. Now this has not as much, but it has a little splash of those kind of like dice manipulation elements and then this is an actual full-blown miniatures game where you move in inches you have terrain you're moving up and over and around terrain your characters all have different special abilities and all that kind of stuff Uh, but this is so like straightforward and easy to get into style game especially if you like get this starter set which is a fantastic uh, deal because you get a whole bunch of terrain, you get two warbands and all that stuff. So you're good to go. Like you're all set uh, to play this game. So if you're coming at this from a board game perspective, you've got everything you need in the box and you've got a lot of campaign stuff and all those extra things. But it's such a snappy, quick, easy, tactical, strategic uh, there's a lot of good narrative stuff. There's like campaigns and quests and all this stuff that you can go on with your characters. The models are great. The terrain's great, obviously. So if you want to paint it all up, you can do that. And it's going to it's gonna be really cool and fun to paint. And I've had a chance to play this a lot this year. You know, just a few games, like, you know, pickup games. I got a chance to play in a tournament. I got a chance to play this at the at the Warhammer Citadel in Dallas when I was at Con with a lot of my friends. We did kind of like a pseudo tournament. We didn't Really keep track of who's going to win, but we just kind of played like a round robin style bunch of games over the course of the day, and like it's just a super fun game. There's so it's so like dead simple. Like really, it's such a simple game. I mean, it feels very board gaming in a lot of ways because you have this like dice manipulation thing. The stat lines of the characters are more like a board game and less like a role playing game, where like you know Age of Sigmar or 40k or Necromunda or Kill Team. Those stat lines are all like kind of like a role-playing game. You've got all these attributes and stuff and all these cool, crazy rules, interactions. And you have some of that here, but it's pared down, and the core mechanics of the game are such that it's just has that little board game jab right in the, you know, right at the beginning of each round. And it just makes it such a fun, accessible thing to get into. And it's so accessible and, and just easy. And it's something that I could just, I always wanna play. Like if you literally set up an actual board that's like two feet, uh, two feet by three feet about. So you can play it on a coffee table. You don't need like a whole like apparatus to play the game. And it's still really good. Like this is my number two game. I'm not just like having it on the list because it does all those cool accessible things. Like it's really friggin' fun and it's really replayable and it's really strategic. And it just is, and it's quick. It'll take you, I don't know, less than an hour per game. Easily less than an hour. Once you get going and know what's going on, you get a half an hour, game half an hour. So you can play a couple of games back to back. No big deal. And it just, the plug and playness and all that stuff is just really excellent. And I recommend anybody pick this up. If you if you have the inclination to pick up some models and, and do a little bit of painting and all that kind of fun stuff, then this is a great dive in. You're going to get rewarded with the gameplay, and it's not going to be like a giant tome of rules and all that kind of stuff to read. But it's still an awesome game. Like you don't lose, you know, anything. If maybe a little bit of all the crunchiness, you don't really lose that much here. You still got a lot of decision space and everything in this game. So I really recommend uh, the Warhammer Age of Sigmar Warcry game. High recommend. That's my number two. And my number one game is PAX Premier 2nd Edition. This is from Whirly Gig Games. And this, so again, leave a comment if you want to win this. The fine folks at Whirly Gig have agreed to send a copy of this game and a little jealous on my part. You also get the metal coins, which I don't actually have, but that's awesome. I've actually played with the metal coins, though they're sweet. <laughs> they're great, so I'm super jealous, actually. But, so the winner will get the copy of this and the metal coins, But most importantly, you will be playing an amazing game. And I talked about Jaws being an achievement before. Uh, PAX Premier is another achievement. So what is this game? This is tricky. So I did a review on it. Please go watch the review if you want a ton of detail. But this takes place in Afghanistan in the late 1800s, if my memory serves as far as the date. And you play sort of a nondescript warlord as Russians and Great Britain, and other Afghani sort of uh, factions are trying to take control of your country. And you are in there trying to sort of align yourself and be a little bit manipulative in some ways to be kind of like on the winning side, okay? This is kind of broad strokes. If you want to talk mechanics, you know, go definitely watch the video review. So you're doing that, and you're doing that through sort of like a card draft kind of thing, where you build a tableau sort of like race for the galaxy or something like that you know sort of not like close but so you build that and you have this area control and the map and all this stuff and you've got faction alignments you've got all these kind of like special abilities and stuff that you can trigger now the core sort of sequence of the game is pretty simple you know, like you're drafting cards and paying for cards and playing cards it's got this kind of very elegant market mechanic that's really cool um and then it has this real interesting sort of 18xx stock market style dynamic where you're aligning your influence in a variety of different ways which is explained in the video review with these different factions. So you're trying to be on the winning side and influence the winning side to who you want to be the winning side. And so if you and another player are you know having influence on that side, well you don't really want that, but you know maybe you'll kind of work together sort of for a little while. And then try to you know dump off or do backstab and betray not the other player but just the faction. You're not really you're sort of indirectly hurting the other players, uh, but you might switch sides and that kind of stuff. Switch your allegiances, and it has sort of a coin feel to it. If you've played like Andy and Abyss or Cuba Libre, there's a sort of a coin feel to it, a little bit, not too much, but it's in there. And so the, it's it's kind of the latest in a series of these Pax games, which I have played a couple of. And this is the first one I've, I've enjoyed. This one, I r- obviously really enjoy it. And so the thing that really... Man, there's so much to talk about with this game that I like. The mechanics, I love, I love all the mechanics. I love the theme and the setting of it. And I love like who you are in the game as a persona. Because you have these... This isn't political. This is just uh, from the perspective of who you are in the game. You have these jerks coming into your region, your country, and so you are trying to get on the side of one or the other who you think you can take advantage of and manipulate to help your cause of whatever you're trying to get done in your country. And so because the game is like from that perspective, I appreciate that game. Like, I that's the, that's the side I want to hear. So, don't get me wrong, I like a war game where there's like two sides and they're fighting or whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, but this is like the interesting like underbelly of like the causes of conflicts that you can kind of get into. This is like actually what matters sometimes, you know, is sort of the wheeling and dealing and the scheming and the plotting and all that kind of stuff that is at the underlying... Cause of what eventually ends up being a conflict. And there's a little bit of like conflict and armies and like you build roads and stuff like that and all that. So there's a little bit there, but you're definitely on the sort of the underside, if I can say that, about that style of conflict. And so that just really grabs me in terms of the theme and pulls me into it and sets me again in in this time period in this land that's not a familiar thing. So it's a very kind of a foreign thing. You know, to me, so it's it's something I'm able to sort of like take a step back and look at sort of objectively or maybe coldly a little bit and, you know, get into that and sort of put myself in that position of trying to eke out and survive, you know, in this atmosphere with all of these other kind of forces in this whirlwind of thing. and the other players are trying to do the same thing. so there's that that sort of extra layer of complexity of you know you've got the sort of the core mechanics of all the cards and everything kind of spinning around. But you have all of the other players sort of pushing and pulling on this little chaos vortex that's you know spitting you victory points or not at the end of the day. So this is a fantastic experience. Now it's sort of complex, and I would call it kind of call it on the heavy side. But it also doesn't take very long to play. Every time that we've played except maybe like the first, we've got it done in like two hours or so, or less, even. And so you have some real interesting, uh, funky end game conditions, which is something I really enjoy in a game. And a lot of times you'll play a game and it's like, play this game for nine rounds and then it's over, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I like games where like, oh, you got to watch out for this to happen because that's going to like short circuit the game and it can end it early, or you got to, you know, wait, you know time this stuff out because you don't know like all the time when things are going to end like things could be going along in life and then one day this happens and it's whatever was happening before is over you know that kind of thing happens in life or the vice versa you like when will this this thing will never end and, you know it keeps going so this if the game can kind of elicit that sort of vibe like that's crazy to me that a game can do that and so this has it and so I know that's like not a specific thing, but that's sort of like the emotional, intellectual stuff that's like firing in my brain as I'm playing the game and getting engaged and fired up. Uh, so that's what I got to say about that. If you want like all the mechanical details and stuff, go watch the video review for it or watch somebody's video review for it and you'll get a good kick out of it. So anyway, that's my top 10 games. Uh, as I kind of preambled maybe a little too long at the beginning... Uh, look, this, I think it's been a really fantastic year. Really fantastic. Because like I talked about earlier, like Jaws, like I know if you are into a type of game, like if you're a miniature gamer or a heavy gamer or whatever, you're like, ah, Jaws, whatever, you know, that's just, that's some silly kids thing. Like, this is great. This is fantastic. Like, how does that exist like that would not have exi- existed 10 years ago? So you've got that you've got Warcry. cry You've got pax premiere that just came out, which is just like like next level Insanity and all this stuff and So all these other games and then all these essence games that I played a couple of that i'm like dang These are really good. Like barrage is really good And kayla's 1303 is really good. Like I didn't want to I didn't want that to be good sort of uh, You know, I was like skeptical and then you got all these old reprints. Catan Starfarers is amazing. My family, it's probably the most fun I've had with the family this year. Maybe Jaws. But Catan Starfarers is right up there. That's more recent. And Bus, you know, that game, that's a—that's an old 20-year-old game. And it still, like, works really well. And you can get it now, right? You couldn't before. So I think this is a really interesting, high-quality year. And I think for me, especially, because I'm not really like a type of gamer, like you can see Babylonia and Warcry in the same list. You know, some people, I get comments all the time. Like, what are you, what are you doing? (laughs) You got, you got, you got Warcry, you know, you got Age of Sigmar, you got 40K, and then you're over here playing Tigers and Euphrates. Like, what's wrong with you? Well, nothing. Like, I'm having a good time. (laughs) But, you know, so this year has been like really good for me uh, in a lot of ways because you've got. Like just so many good things in so many different styles so i'm into that you know maybe the euro games are soft you know maybe you know maybe there's only like four amazing euro games you know that's plenty i don't need i don't need 40 i need four you know and there's like one or two really good miniature games you know Warcry, and then i would say warlords of Erwan. Which you know, I thought about putting on this list, but if you want to answer in that, go watch the review. You got Jaws, you know. Like I'm just saying, there's just so many styles that are just firing uh, this year. So, you know, if you only like one type of game, you know, maybe I can't help you there. But uh, anyway, so that, that's my top ten list of 2019. Everybody, please take care of yourselves in the winter holiday. I will not be doing any more videos until January. Um, when we got some, you know, I'll probably be reviewing Barrage and Kalus and all that stuff. And again, uh, leave a comment if you want to win Paxmere 2nd Edition. You will have an amazing time with this. It's, it's an absolute experience. Um, so anyway, take care of yourselves. I'll see you all next year. Thanks.